0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. In about 2 B.C., there was just this crazy story that happens. Now, um, some I, I may have to explain something. 2 B.C. actually means uh, two years before Christy. Okay, that, that's 2 BC in my life. About two years before Christy, I got invited to go with, with, uh, with this girl to a, to a. She said, Hey, my, my buddy's got a band. He's going to be playing at this local bar. Would you like to go? I was like, shoot, yeah, I'd like to go. So I love to hear live music and everything. And, and I don't know, you know what happens when you assume something. So I was dressed just like this. Well, I didn't know that it was like this heavy metal rock and roll band. And so I I go, yeah, and and I mean, I love that. I love that. But whenever you walk in and the natal scratches on the record and everybody stops to look at the only cowboy hat in the entire place, you know, I I went in there eagerly expecting and hoping to have a great time. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just kind of looking around and everybody's kind of eyeballing you. And so any any good cowboy worth his salt, you just kind of puff your chest out act like you're from Texas, walk around there, make friends with the biggest guy in there. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that, and we'll get back to him in just a second. So, you know, I I wasn't ashamed of who I was, and it's okay if, if, you know what, I, I don't care who you are. I like people that are who they are. And the worst thing in the world that I don't like, we, I went to Texas Tech University, and, and there was this guy that worked with my roommate, and that guy never had a pair of boots or a hat on in his life, and he was the coolest dude I knew. I mean, he drove this little 300ZX, and, and I loved hanging out with him. He was fun. And I liked him until the day he walked in our apartment in a set of boots and hat. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, y'all are cool. Y'all wear hats. I was like, take that off. You know, and it had nothing to do with I didn't want him being a cowboy. I liked him for who he was. So when I walked in this joint and I was the only one in a cowboy hat, I wasn't ashamed uh, of who I was or what I was. I went in there to have a good time, and I was going to make sure that that happened. And so the first thing that happened is, is we get over there, and we listen to kind of a set of, of their music. People are out there, and they're dancing, and I was out there dancing. and I, I scooted the rug pretty good. I, I clear the place out, let's just say that. And so anyway, uh, we listen to a couple of songs that they're playing and they're screaming and the guitar's wailing and I'm having a great big old time. And um, so the band quits playing and believe it or not, they start playing some country music and I'm like, hey, this is all right. So I go out there and I dance with this girl one one dance and then we go back to our table, which is just off the dance floor. And she says, hey, I'm going to go talk to my friends. Have at it. So I'm sitting there at this little round table and I'm people watch. Does anybody else like to people watch? Oh my gosh, it's it's a great, forget TV, just go watch people because they're idiots, okay? And and I'm one of them, so you can watch me. If you hang around me and Ty, you're gonna find something to laugh at. But anyway, so these these people are dancing around there and they're scooting a rug and going around twirling their old girlfriends and you ever know you got that herd of cattle and you got that one cow and she ain't done nothing wrong but you she know she's fixing to cause a problem well there was one of those in this dance floor and she's kind of weaving her way through she ain't got no dance partner but she's kind of acting like she's dancing by herself a little bit well my cowboy six sense, i picked up on her right quick i was eyeballing her and there's this big old fella like i said i'll get back to him in a minute he's dancing with this girl and she comes, this, this this one that's on the fight, she comes up and she pushes him in the back. And of course, he falls over the girl that he's dancing with. They fall into three other people and everybody starts screaming and hollering. And I'm just grinning. I love a good wreck. And so I'm just like, yeah, that's awesome. And so anyway, he turns around and they go to yelling at each other. And he turns, you know, people are trying to break them up and everything. And so he grabs his girl that he's danced with, and he goes to dancing again. Well, she ain't done with him. So she reaches up and she grabs him by the shoulder, and she turns him around to give him another of what I thought was gonna be another cussing. She didn't. She balled her, fan, her fist up like Ronda Rousey, and she hit that big old boy just as hard as she could right in the nose. And I mean, you could hear it crack. Whack! And I went, oh, it had to have hurt. Well, things got a little bit out of hand at this point because he grabs her and I'm thinking, what's gonna happen now? Well, as my cowboy luck would have it, he picked her up by the neck and he commenced to bringing her to my table. He brings her to my table and he body slams her right on my little round bar table. I have to jump back, and you know she, she falls down this way, so he's facing me. She falls down right here at my feet, and I'm like this, and he grabs her by the neck, and her head's on cement, and he rears back, and I thought, why, why does this have to happen? I'm the smallest dude, I mean, I'm the smallest guy in there at like 6'2", what, 210, something like that, you know? And I was just like, it was kind of comical because it was just like, (sighs) so I kneeled down over her head, and I grabbed this big old boy by the throat, and I said, man, I'm awfully sorry to say this, but I can't let you do this like that, and he said, fine and he reared back. Well, both of my hands are around his neck, so I did my ninja move, and I put my fingers in that little soft spot, and I was just gonna try to tear his throat out. I couldn't fight him. There wasn't gonna be none of that. I'll tell you what happens later. I thought I was gonna die in that split moment. You ever thought about that? You ever had one of those experiences like Ty talks about where your life flashes in front of your face and you're you're, you're just going somewhere? Let's talk about dying for just a second because we're in, we're in the, last, the very last deal for y'all that, that have missed all other five. Uh, we're talking about why do Christians struggle? Because, you know, we were talking about it yesterday. A lot of people, they say, man, if you just give your life to Christ, all your problems will go away. Well, bull crap. You ain't been a Christian very long because it gets tough. And we've talked about that for now the sixth week in a row of why Christians struggle. Why is it hard? And today we're going to talk about what would you be willing to die for? Would you be willing to die for what you believe in? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of touched on the subject, and I said we'd talk about it more later, and we're here later. But if somebody said, hey, denounce Jesus Christ or I'm going to cut your head off, what would you do? Well, I would like to say that, that, that I'd like to, well, you, you just go right ahead and You'll know, go to hacking, which probably what I'd do is I'd get my fingers and I'd try to stick them in their throat. I don't know what would happen. But what, what would, would you die for what you believed in? Would you be willing to die for your kids? What about your husband or your wife? Would you, would you lay your life on the line for, for them? Well, I guess most of us would probably say, yeah. Would you be willing to die for a friend? You know, I mean, I know if Ty or any of my other buddies here, they got in a wreck, man, I'd, do, I'd go as far as needed to go, or I'd like to think that I would, and I think that they'd do the same for me. But would you be willing to die for a stranger? Our troops do it every single day. Would you be willing to die for Jesus, though? The answer, though, to those questions, whether you would be willing to die for your kids or your spouse or a friend or a stranger or even Jesus himself? The answer is not found in what we think we would do. The answer is found in what we do. Because if you're not willing to live for your kids, If you're not willing to live for your spouse, if you're not willing to live for even a stranger, or if you're not willing to live for Jesus, if you're not willing to live for them, this is going to be step on some toes. If you're not willing to live for them, you're not going to be willing to die for them. No matter how much you think you're tough, and boy, if if Jesus, you know, because there's a lot of people that say they die for Christ, but they won't even live for him. Today, we're going to learn how to do that. To live a life worth dying for, it's about four things I think that we have to do. Now, this is not an inclusive list. This isn't, you know, the master plan. It's just an idea to get us going. I mean, it's not gonna solve all your problems, but it will get you on the right track to where you need to be. To live a life worth dying for, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta be eagerly expectant. Now, if you think about that, eagerly expectant, Isn't that what faith is? Faith is eagerly accepting or expecting to believe in the promises of God. Now, if you don't know what the promises of God are, I'm going to give you just a a real short list. That that good book, what we call the Bible, God's Word, man, that thing is full of God's promises. And I encourage you, you know, a lot of people say, well, why should I read my Bible? Well, if you don't read the Bible, then you're not going to know what God's promises are. And if you don't know what God's promises are, how are you going to believe in them? So here's a few of God's promises that we can eagerly expect Him to fulfill because He's never made a promise that He won't keep. Do you know He promised to take care of you? He promised to take care of every one of His kids that believe in Him, but yet we spend so much of our time, we spend so much of our energy trying to take care of ourselves. Well, you know what He does? He says, well, you can take care of yourself or I'll take care of you. Pick. That's one of God's promises. He promised to take care of you. He promised to to, uh, keep you. He said, you know what? There is nothing you can do once you become one of my kids and you start truly riding for me and walking with me and and becoming one of my kiddos. There ain't nothing you can do that'll make me run you off. Now, you can run off on your own, but God will never leave us nor forsake us. It's, It's one of his promises. God also said that he'd provide for us he said that he would protect us probably the greatest promise of all is he promises that he loves you no matter what no matter what we have to have faith if we are going to live a life that is worth dying for in other words if we say I I would die for this well that that's pretty good cowboy that sounds real good are you willing to live for it though if we want to live a life that's worth dying for, we got to have faith. we got to eagerly expect that God is going to keep the promises that He makes. we got to eagerly expect that God answers your prayers. How many times do we do that? We go through there and we're like, God, if you will just do this. Boy, we put limits on God all the time. Like He's not able to do something bigger and badder than we ever thought possible. But we have to have faith that he's gonna do that. Now that's why I told you to turn to James if you got your good books, because in James chapter one, in six through eight, now I'm gonna read from the simplified cowboy version. If you don't know what the simplified cowboy version is, all it is is it's my interpretation put in cowboy language of, of what the Bible says it's not a real Bible I I hope that God blesses it but I don't claim to be inspired by God or you know anything like that I just try to take the Word of God and put it in just a little bit easier to understand words now here's what James 1 6 through 8 says in the simplified cowboy version you got to truly believe that he's gonna give you what you ask for if you're a doubter you ain't no more solid than a feed sack blown away by the wind the boss ain't going to give a saddle to a fellow that can't decide if he wants to walk or ride. Them double-minded folks ain't no more stable than a one-legged eating table. You got to believe that when you ask for it, man, and, and you, when you ask, God's going to give it because he promised to. Now, you got to understand that if you go to asking for something that's going to take you away from him, he ain't going to give it to you no matter how much you ask. But when you ask for something that's going to bring you closer, that, that, will, that will allow your life to, to glorify Him, and that will allow you to become the men and women, the cowboys and cowgirls that you are supposed to be, man, He's going to answer that prayer, and you've got to eagerly expect that He's going to keep His promises. Faith is eagerly expecting. You know what else faith is? This is my favorite definition of faith. Faith is a heart that's addicted to hope. Faith is a heart... It's addicted to hope. A life worth dying for is one filled with eager expectation of all that God is and what he wants for us. If you want to live a life that's worth dying for, then you've got to have faith. You've got to eagerly expect that God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'll just leave it at that. The second thing that we've got to do to have a life that's worth dying for, is I just got to say it, we've got to have hope. What is hope? Hope is knowing that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right. Do not confuse that with hoping that nothing will ever go wrong. Because I guarantee you, for most of you, there's been stuff since you woke up this morning that hadn't gone right. Waking up doesn't go right for my wife. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like it at all. She especially don't like it that her husband wakes up about 4.15 in the morning and I'm about as quiet as a bull in a china cabinet. Sorry about that, honey. Hope is knowing that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Man, it's going to be tough. It may be rough. You're going to get bucked off. You're going to get skin up. Things are going to happen, but everything's going to be all right. That's what hope is. Even when you're in the midst of one of these big, bad struggles and and life is just beating the tar out of you, hope is knowing everything's going to be all right. But you know what? Hope and worry cannot coexist hope and worry cannot exist you can't be worried about a situation while you're hopeful about it now those two things may flip-flop about a hundred times in a single second but to be hopeful you can't be worried about anything that's why jesus says over and over and over why are you worried about today you can't do nothing about it just go with the flow and follow me that's what hope is hope and fear cannot exist you know Jesus said in, in, in the Great Commission, right before he went up back up into heaven after he'd already been crucified and rose from the dead, he gathers his 12 cowboys together and he says, Listen up, I'm gonna get, I got one last thing. I got one last thing. He said, Go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I've commanded. Now that, that kind of makes some people uncomfortable especially if you're kind of you've been kind of beat down and and knocked down by by organized religion and all that about well what jesus commanded us to do and the pharisees really used what god said to really kind of eat on people and mash them down and everything but you know you know what god's most often repeated command was don't be scared don't be afraid i mean Man, following Jesus is hard, huh? He told us not to be afraid. That sounds like a good deal, not a bad deal. I don't know about y'all. But if you want to live a life worth dying for, you've got to have hope. And hope and worry cannot coexist. Hope and fear cannot coexist. And hope and anger cannot coexist. I know that's tough. There's nothing wrong with getting mad. But it's hard to be real hopeful about a situation when you're all kinds of pissed off about it. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it like it is. Hope and anger cannot coexist hope and worry cannot coexist hope and fear cannot coexist get used to start practicing man when things start going wrong tell yourself man god's got this handled he didn't say that he's going to take your problems away he said he's going to get you right through it he got tied down that mountain and i bet there's about a million and a half times it tied doubted at that during that ride down but it all worked out i'm sure both of them was a little bloody by the time it was over Hope is knowing that no matter what happens, everything's going to be all right. A life worth dying for is one filled with hope, knowing that everything is going to be all right. There's no reason to worry, be afraid, or get mad about it. Ain't going to do no good anyway, is it? The third thing that we're going to talk about on how to live a life worth dying for is we can't be ashamed of who we are. You cannot be ashamed of who God wants you to be. And you know what? Out of all of these, this is probably the hardest one because I know a lot of you out there have started following Christ, man. But you're, you're, you know, you may be sitting down with some buddies that that don't go to church or they don't they don't really ever say nothing about God. And you, you're thinking, man, I'd like to bless this food, but I'm scared of what they're gonna say. We can't be ashamed of the gospel. We can't be ashamed of who God is. We can't be ashamed of becoming the men and women that He has called us to be. It's a tough deal. You cannot be ashamed of who God wants you to be. So who does He want us to be? The, the cool thing about it is all the answers are in the Bible. And in Micah 6, 8, God tells us exactly who He wants us to be. He wants us to be protectors. He wants us to stay, stick up for the weak, to love justice. When somebody gets mashed down by a big old fella, fixing get the tar beat out, He wants us to step in no matter the situation. He wants that little old shepherd boy to pick up just a single rock and go after one guy that the entire nation of Israel is, is, is scared to fight. He's going to take each and every one of y'all that want to follow Christ, and he's going to do something amazing. And the, thing, the amazing thing about it is everybody's going to say it can't be done. You're going to be scared to do it. Don't be ashamed to do what God tells you to do and be who he wants you to be. He wants us to be protectors, to love justice. Boy, isn't that something that's severely lacking in today's world is justice. And I'm talking about godly justice, not man-made justice. Second thing God wants us to be, according to Micah 6, 8, is he wants us to be kind to others. You know, it it takes nothing away from a single person to be kind to another one. It takes nothing away, and it gives everything back just to be kind. It doesn't matter if it's a smile. It doesn't matter if it's a nod of the head, a shake of a hand, a how you doing, I'll pray for you. Let's say blessing before before we eat here and ask a blessing on those people sitting around you it takes nothing away from a man to offer kindness and the third thing according to Micah 6 8 that he wants you to do is he wants you to walk with him he wants you to walk with him you notice it doesn't say I want you to run full speed ahead into a hornet's nest just walk humbly with him and and I think that that's that's a big thing that Christians do man they start getting on fire man I've been going to save the cowboy I liked what Kevin has to say he, he said it in words that I can understand, and I totally related to what Ty had to say and these other cowboys that God is working through. Man, I'm ready to go, and you just run off and leave God. He's walking along, and you're, you're riding Harley at a million miles an hour. God wants you to just walk with him. Me and Ty, yesterday, we rode and went and checked the cattle, and there ain't nothing better than just walking with another cowboy. I've done it with Robert McLean. We just ride along and just visit. It's amazing one of my favorite times in the world is just walking a horse and riding with another cowboy or even some cowgirls or I'm not very good at sure riding but if y'all want to come work cattle we can do that. Walk humbly with God. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to saddle up just walk beside Him. Now like I said, Micah 6.8 says all these things and just to prove it, this is what it says. He has told you, old man, what is good. <laughs> Bible's tip fixing to tell you exactly what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God? That's pretty simple right there. Even my pea brain can wrap it around that. A life worth dying for isn't filled with shame and regret, but one that shines in the darkness, willing to do and be the things that only others dream about. See, that's what God wants for you. He wants to make you into the man or woman that you've kind of always in the back of your mind you always knew you'd be or hoped you'd be. He wants to make you into that but you can't get there on your own. You can only get there by walking humbly with him. Why do we struggle? Because what we say we will die for isn't what we live for. That creates a struggle in our lives, what we claim to be and who we are. When those two things are opposite, it creates a struggle. You won't die for something that you won't live for. I knelt down over that lady's face trying to protect her, scared to death. And I had my fingers in his throat and I told him, I said, I'm sorry, but I can't let you do that. He said, that's fine. And he reared back and I had planned my ninja move that whenever he punched at me, I was going to duck my head and let him hit my hat. Well, that never happened because about the time he reared back about five or six other fellas, we got gang tackled like an NFL football game. We get tackled and, and they're not trying to hurt us or anything. They're just trying to break it up. Well, I come up out of the pile like a squealing pig, and and, and <laughs> it's not hard to find me in this place. I'm the only guy in there with a black cowboy hat on, but they grab this guy up, and it's his buddies, not bouncers, they grab him up. He still wants, he, he forgot all about the girl. He wants to fight the cowboy now. And they drag him outside, and I get the table set back up. Nobody's asking me if I'm okay, nothing like that. I get the table set back up, and get my chair it back up and that old girl she come walking out of the bathroom she sits down she goes aren't we having fun i said did you see what just happened she goes no what happened she missed the whole thing the last thing to live a life worth dying for takes courage here's a question my wife always likes to ask it's a hard question but just because it's a hard question doesn't mean we don't need to ask it or answer it would you rather be safe or brave Would you rather be safe or brave? Would you rather say, Man, I'm glad I did that, or would you rather say, Man, I wish I'd have done that? Would you rather live a life of adventure or one of safety in a nine to five job that you can't stand? Would you rather be safe or brave? Because to follow Christ, you're going to have to, it's going to take courage. Anybody can follow themselves. Anybody can fly off the handle, live for themselves, do just what pleases them. You know, heck with everybody else. But in order to follow Christ, in order to walk with Him, it's going to take some courage. Would you rather be safe or brave? Would you rather die standing with your head up high? Would Would you rather live with your tail tucked between your legs? That's what the world does. The world will make you tuck your tail. Just follow everybody else. Don't get out of line. Don't say something that's going to offend somebody. Don't don't this. Don't that. God tells us, man, stand up tall. Don't be ashamed of who I'm calling you to be. Eagerly expect and hope that everything's going to be all right, even when it's scary. Have faith. Have hope. Don't be ashamed. Have courage. A life worth dying for is one lived courageously, not safely. When we get to heaven, it ought to look like we just got through flanking and branding a thousand head of grizzly bears. Everybody's heard that deal. When I get to heaven, I hope I come sliding in there all dirty like, (laughs) Woohoo Wow, that was a good one right there. Or do we just want to die this feeble old man or old lady that the only thing they have to look forward to is just remembering all the regrets they had of the things that they wish they had done. You claim that you'll die for something. Well, good job. Thumbs up to you. Now I want to see you live it. It ain't going to be easy. And when you go through those hard times, you can come talk to me. You can come talk to Ty. You can come talk to... My wife, she's the smartest person I know. Don't tell her I said that. We'll be here for you. Chances are we've either been there and got through it, or we know somebody that has. We're going to be there for you. And I want you, each and every one of y'all, I don't care how old you are, the only time it's too late is when you never do it. Live a life that's worth dying for. And just so you know that I didn't just come up with these things on my own to eagerly expect and hope and not be ashamed, and to live courageously, all of that's found in Philippians 1, verse 20. Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether I live or die. Doesn't matter.